Hey, this is Don M. Williams. You are listening to Research Shows Podcast. This is the Rewind series. That means you've caught us on and off season. So we're actually in between seasons four and five. I'm going to air these episodes once weekly on Mondays at 6 a.m. Until season five begins in the winter of 2023. So stay tuned. Don't forget this episode has already aired. So let go ahead and listen. Stay tuned. Hello, hello, hello. You are listening to Research Shows Podcast. This is Dawn M. Williams. And today we have a special guest, Mr. Carlin Bryant, a coach and educator. So how are you doing today? Uh, I'm all right. Actually, I just came from the school. We just, I just got out my work day for teaching and we just finished football practice. So. Excellent. Excellent. And I have to ask, how long you been an educator? Uh, this is year 10. Well, year 10 as a teacher, I started as a school aide, so helping in the ESC classroom. So I did that for two years first. So I guess it'd be 12 years total education. Wow. Like most of my teeth, most of my clients are teachers. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a hairdresser by trade and most of my clients like are teachers. I don't know why I attract these teachers. <laughs> so <laughs> it's something about me, but I just, they send their teacher friends and I'm just like, I, I get so many teachers that sit in my chair. So I know yeah, y'all, yeah, y'all yeah, are to be admired. Thank you for the service for them. Thank you for serving them then. <laughs> look, thank look, thank y'all for being a service. All the, oh my goodness. Goodness. What grade do you teach? Uh this year I have a mixture of ninth through twelfth. I've, I've taught anywhere from six to twelve. Now I do tell you this. I've worked at the school programs when I was younger, and that's when I decided I don't think I can teach younger kids. So I gotta I started six on up. So this year is interesting. Yeah. All right. So let's get into this. So regarding your develop regarding the development of black Americans, does your um coaching seek to address it? Uh yes. Well, one thing for sure, and it's interesting because I work in a we'll say majority majority white county, and the idea of them just seeing me, because the school I work at literally is probably three black male teachers there out of a total of maybe 70. So just like uh, my presence in a sense kind of helps because it gives those kids like, it's easy to see like, okay, it's somebody who looks like me in front of me. And it might not be many of them, but it's somebody who looks like me in front of them. So that kind of gives them an idea of develop. Like I can be more than what the normal stereotypes is. I can be more than just an athlete or entertainer. Like it's more out there. So just me being there, and of course, I'll be honest. I mean, I don't want to think that I don't talk to all students, but I talk to all students about it because I tell them one of the main things with my players and the students is we all got to live in this world. So part of the reason that certain people, I will say certain, sometimes white people don't understand because they don't know. So we got right. to have the conversation and we just have the conversation on, on reality and what life is really looks like. Um, I got to get outside of this bubble of thinking like it's just all perfect and people don't live different lives like it's hard. So just bring that to attention and just my presence, I think, plays a role in it, to be honest with you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's 
really essential. I was just talking about this with another, um, somebody else who was a guest, that um, to have black men as teachers, I believe is essential because, you know, our children spend more time at school than they do at home. And especially boys, they have a tendency, I have two boys, they have a tendency mm-hmm. to listen to men more so than a woman. You know, it's something about a woman's voice. It's like, oh my God, oh, I wish you just shut up. You know what I'm saying? But when a man speak, I think it's necessary. You know, that bonding is necessary for them to have that at school. And, you know, you're like a safe space, I'm sure, for a lot of young men. Yes. And I, yeah. that, and I think that's why another reason why I love my job and that makes it easier to come back. Because, I mean, we all know it. Everybody's not going to like going to work every day. But knowing that I have a responsibility and even it's just that small thing, if I just get one to realize that makes it so much better and kind of keeps me going back and forth. So it does definitely give, especially like you said, black boys, because I mean, this is my personal opinion and I hope I don't step on anybody's toes with it, but it's only so much that a woman can teach a man to do. Like it's because I mean, the boy's going to think you, you have an idea, but you're not exactly in my shoes. And be honest with you, I think it's the other way around. It's only so much that a, a guy can give a female who's trying to uh, raise or raising a female because you never exactly in their shoes. You might have some similarities, but you're not going to be exactly in the shoes and been there before and kind of be the see through their eyes. So I think that's why I definitely think it's important to have not only black males, but black women also just so that basically, like I said, a safe space. They need that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely. It's like you just need to see it, especially if you said you're in the majority um, white County that, yeah. um, is necessary. Your presence is necessary. 100%. Cause, um, I'm in a majority white County where I live. So I understand. So, um, how has America's attitude towards, uh, people of color have changed throughout its history? Okay. So, and I'll get to a little bit later with the book, but that's basically the book kind of goes into that. Oh, wait, wait, T- tell everybody name your book first. So we clear. Okay. Before we- <laughs> So the name of the book is Black America, the Transformation of Social, Economic, and Political Black America Since Reconstruction. Mm -hmm. It kind of basically shows how, in a sense, it shows that there has been some strides. There definitely been strides. We're not in the exact same spot. But the book also goes and shows like there's still a ways to go. And when we look at actually bring up like when we say America's attitude, it's almost like, in my opinion, America gives us a little bit and say you should be happy with that, but it's like they move the the finish line either farther, farther back. Like I'll feed you a little bit, but I'm gonna keep pulling it back. So mm-hmm. for instance, okay, I'm allow you, I'm allow you to start voting and everything else, but my media presence or actually teaching you exactly what you need to know, well, that's not gonna happen. But I allow you to get the education, but I'm not really gonna give you the tools you need. Like one of the mm-hmm. things I talk about in the book is, and it's ironic because I had this uh, debate a few days ago with uh, a student and their parents said that segregation hurt us worse than it helped. And I, and when we had to, had a conversation with a student, I told them that their parent definitely has a point. Because I mean, you can say, yes, we'll allow you guys to have education, we'll allow you to read and write, but if you're not gonna give me the tools I need to get that done, then are you really giving me the aid? So it's kind of like on paper, I'm gonna say, and this was like American attitude on paper. I'm going to say we're making strides, which we are, but we make it seem like it's almost equal, but it's still such a huge gap. It is. I agree 100%. I didn't start seeing that until I moved from an all black county. I grew up in all black county in Maryland, actually, the richest uh, black county in America is called PG County, Maryland. And then I ended up moving an hour away. 
um, for more affordable housing when we bought our house and it was a whole different world. So I didn't understand what black men went through and my father never shared it with me, I guess, to protect me and neither did my husband. But when I saw what my two children was going through in school to where one of the children is was in advanced placement classes and they were just using so many distractions to be ensure, you know, making him think that he was not advanced. You know what I'm saying? And not, you know, acing all the standardized testing and he could just sit and just blink and pass stuff that most people, you know, would struggle with. And I was like, oh my God. So because of that, that opened up the conversation with my dad and my husband where they started talking about what they were going through at work, you know, because I think, I think it happens so often, even with traffic pullovers and all different kinds of stuff that it, it really, I think y'all don't talk about it like that. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, um, I think for me to see it, it was necessary. And I'm glad that I did have boys. But, you know, I think we, uh, the whole nation didn't start seeing all this stuff until we got this influx of stuff on social media to where oh. it's like, oh, my God, that's what they go through. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Now they everybody has a camera to record, and that uh, I mean, literally at the t uh, drop of a dime, you just pull out your pocket, and everybody knows, and you can put it out there. And yeah, because yeah, but with black males, and this is the thing also, and I'm I'm going to say black males, but I think this males in general, but especially black males is if you are expected to be that strong presence when things are going wrong, it's like, and this is a flaw that I think a lot of black males, me included. We choose not to express our feelings because we feel like we have to be so tough. We got to be strong. And that kills us inside. I mean, be honest, I'm just getting to the point now where I'm actually opening up more. And I wish that somebody would explain that to me when I was younger. Like, it's okay to feel this way. It's okay to talk about it. It's okay to talk to another male about it, to express what's going on. But we get yeah. so tough. We got to be this tough guy and we got to be strong for the family that we don't think about ourselves and our own, basically, emotional and mental health. And yeah. Also. And that's a man thing too, because it's not exclusively the African American community. Because I, I know that white men do this as well in, in all different communities where it's like men don't talk like how women do. Like we just talk like nothing about our problems. But my dad, the way he held everything in until right before he passed. I was amazed, like, Daddy, you never talked to nobody about this? He like, no. Like, the only people he confided in was his mom up to a certain extent and then me at the end of his life. So I was like, how can you live your life? Like, he had a lot of anger because he just didn't talk about what's wrong. So, you know, yeah, you're right. It, it, I think that it, he, he said because it exhibits weakness, it, it seems like you're being weak if you talk about stuff. And I'm like, but you sitting there, your whole soul is ate up because you're not talking. Exactly. Like, you don't got to talk to a therapist, but, you know, you got to tell somebody. <laughs> that's one of the main reasons now, like, and that's another I feel like my, I mean, I mean, I feel like a lot of people's jobs are important, but I feel like my job is even more important, especially dealing with younger kids. Like, sometimes I tell them, hey, man, let's talk. How you feeling? Don't be afraid. And part of that helps them open up is also me opening up. So I had, and just a little bit about my about myself, about five, well, it's been five years now. Five years ago, I had, I was going, literally that year, I was getting ready to propose to my girlfriend and she ended up passing away with Lucas. And like me being able to open up and tell them, hey, I told him, sometimes I still cry. I, I struggle, yeah. but it's okay. Cause I mean, I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna 
get figure out my problems. I'm gonna cry, talk to somebody, and get up and fa face the next day. But it's okay to explain how you feel. It's it's fine. I'm not saying you got to go tell everybody your business, but it's okay. Like you said, find that one or two people. So we try to. I try to have like groups. I don't have to put them in big groups, but it's just, hey, how you feeling today? Like, oh, I'm all right. No, seriously, how you feeling today? What's going on? Like, let it out. And I express how I'm feeling. So we kind of. It's easy to share when both sides are sharing, because one person just think, oh, you just want me to tell your business. But if both sides are being vulnerable, which is one of the main things with males, because again, you think that's a sign of weakness. But when you guys are able to be a little bit vulnerable and express how you feel, it's going to help in the long run. And again, this is something I'm learning that I'm not perfect at, but I'm just learning now at 34. So I can understand. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So um, do you feel like all um, citizens are tr in America? And I'm sorry, all citizens in America are treated equal. Do you feel that way? Uh, no. <laughs> well, let me, let me this. yeah, let me give you a, a simple, simple way why I say it's not. And sometimes people don't look at it this way, but uh, I, I actually mentioned in the book, if we look at government, right, the government and we break it down even more, if we look at Congress, Congress at this point is about, and it, it might've got a little bit better, but let's just throw a number close to it. It's literally 75 to 80% white males. Mm -hmm. There is no way you can run a country when the people that are coming up with the laws is not equal. So, for example, if it's not diverse in the people that's making the laws, how is the land going to be diverse? Because, mm -hmm. I mean, if they're cool, if it's mostly and you're only going to be able to you're going to make laws based on what you experience. That's what's supposed to make America so great is we have mm -hmm. this other pot. We get everybody's opinion. But if it's not equally when we go to voting, if 80 percent is still one way, then it's impossible to be equal. And when mm -hmm. I say that, I'm not just talking about being black males. I mean, get more females involved either. Because how how am I going to make a law based on a female point of view if I'm not a female or if there are not enough females to give it? Same thing. How am I going to give a law based on an African-American's point of view or Asian-American point of view if it's not equally represented in people that's making laws? Right. So I think it's impossible for all citizens to be treated equal if we just look at the, the lawmakers. If lawmakers not equally distribute with the different diversity, then the land is not going to be because they're only going to be able to give it. And you're only going to really be able to give it from your point of view. You can try, but you don't live through You don't look at their eyes. You don't see the stuff they have to do. You don't see the world through their eyes. So it makes it difficult. If we were and, equal, then it'd be split up a little equal, in my opinion. Yeah. And then also, I think it makes a difference who your circles are, because if you even if you are like, let's say, um, one particular race and you have a diverse circle around you I think that makes a difference too sometimes people hang out with only who are just like them you know y'all go to the same church y'all go to the same y'all hang at the same places and all that but you know if you have different people give you different perspectives of things you know what I'm saying like me um, I just hear a lot of different points of view where I'm like oh wow I didn't even think of stuff that way you know what I'm saying but everybody's not open like that you know so and then also it depends on who's going to vote for what too, because I've you know some some of us black folks will vote them same white people back in office and not understanding what you just said. Oh yeah, not at all. And it just yeah, it's told like one of the main things now, and I'm not I don't want to get too deep into politics, but main thing now is most black folks think they're supposed to vote Democrat. It doesn't matter who's running, just know it's a Democrat. We're supposed to vote for the Democrat. And like, and the thing is. Sadly, me growing up, I didn't realize it until I went to school and went to college and learned a little bit more. But that was the same thing I thought when I was growing up. Oh, we're Democrats because that's what my mom said we were. Because right, usually vote with Democrats. 
But at the same time, these are the same people that are putting in all these different laws. I mean, and I kind of mentioned this in the book when we talk about Bill Clinton. Everybody's like, Bill Clinton was the first black president, but Bill Clinton also put in a bunch of laws and three strike rules. Yep. People in jail for long periods of time. Yeah, yes, people don't know that. And um, he was explaining one of that one of them Netflix documentaries and like, you know, saying, what would you have done? You don't understand because he was saying the same black people were saying you got to do something about crime. And he called himself doing something about it with the three strike law. But people don't understand what that is. You thinking it's my husband had to explain it to me. It's not what people think it is, where it's like this, you know, three strikes in your route. It's like like, you know, how when you got. You know how when you got like a criminal, um, like something happens, right? And then it's like, um, you know how they, they try to charge you with like 10 different things at once? Exactly. So it, it counts as where it's like, oh, this person had three different charges they were charged with at one particular time. So, you know, I think that that's essential that people understand that that's serious because the prosecutor has to have like 10, 15 different charges to try to see which one sticks. And it kind of ties the judge's hands in regards to um, the uh, criminal justice system. And then about you saying you weren't trying to get political, teaching is political. <laughs> so so it's like, it, it, I, I didn't find that out till, you know, where I'm located here um, in my county. So. Okay, so how has the use of entertainment and sports affected development of African-Americans socially, economically, and politically in your points of view? Okay, so also, I mean, of course, I'm a, so it attracted me this way because I'm a coach, right? Most African-Americans throughout history have either became, let's say, rich or economically stable. The most ones have usually been through some form of entertainment or sports now don't get me wrong you've had people that goes outside of the realm and found a way to build up without but most of the time it comes to that right so the main thing i like to look at again since i'm a sports type person is we have this debate a lot with the coaches is usually when we're comparing so we might compare athletes from eras right so if an athlete is from it's like a rule if an athlete dominated in like the 1960s compared to an athlete dominated in like the 1990s we say well you got to put an asterisk by it because again African-Americans weren't like flirt. They weren't allowed to play these top, top schools and everything else. Like most of them were the HBCUs. So when we go forward from that, when these PWIs start letting in black, black people because of the athletes, you got to think about it. Well, I want my athlete to be comfortable. So now that my athlete is comfortable, I need to have people around him. So then I, my black enrollment needs to go up. So now my black enrollment at PWI start going up. So these athletes feel comfortable to come here instead of keeping on HBCUs. So now you get more money. I need them to be comfortable. So now that's going to bring the enrollment of black people at PWIs. So now you got black people at PWIs when they get these degrees, which is going to allow them to get better jobs. Because sadly, a lot of places, if you see a PWI compared to HBCU, they think that education is different. They think that PWI, and sadly, black people think this also, they feel like that PWI education is better. So then when we get that, so now, you got more black people getting looked at better socially because they're going to PWIs. And again, most of the time they're going is because athletes are going there. Cause like, if we pick like Duke, all the big schools of basketball, football, whatever sport you want to pick, they're going to bring in these black athletes, which means that's going to bring in more black fans, more black enrollment at the school, because of course they want that black athlete to feel comfortable. So now that we got more education, socially, we look better in society's eyes. Cause now we got, you're going to a PWI compared to HBCU. 
economically it's going to be better because now you're getting more money and then of course politically when you go to these certain programs that's how you get into these certain political offices so to speak so i think like and not like i said that's with sports same thing with entertainment you get more money when you get these artists have more money so to speak hopefully what usually will happen is they would reach out and help other black people put in so if we talk about going to often it to hbcus let's go back to hbcus we're offering like for example p diddy puts money into howard we put it in there so now that's going to build up more black people coming to school now if you got a degree you get a better job so now i'm more economically stable and then again some of those people move towards politics but seeing that this society has used sports and entertainment as like the black american mecca because most people and I, I work with kids well, I'm willing to bet almost every time I talk to a kid, it's going to be, I'm going to be an athlete. I'm going to be an entertainer when we talk about black, black kids. Like that's what they see has been put in their face media wise. So now that idea has been molded into younger black kids, not all, but most black kids. So now that's what you're aiming towards. So we're not aimed towards that. And if again, if that sports thing or that entertainment thing supposed to a scholarship to put you in a certain school, and that's going to bring more people around, which is going to bring up your economic. And then, of course, it brings off to political acts. Okay. So I'm going to ask one more question. Mm -hmm. um, what type of strategies do you use to implement critical thinking skills to your, um, I said clients, but I guess the, um, the young people that you coach? So uh, basically, I put them, in, put them in situations. I do not give them, a lot of times I tell them, don't come to me until you've tried all, every alleyway and you can't figure it out. I want them to know that I'm still there, but I want you to try to figure out. Another thing I love to do is the main thing I usually hear from kids is, especially with school, well, what do we go to school for? All right. Well, one is going to teach you some critical thinking. Now, if we talk about the basic, if we even talk about basic math, bad, math works as you start algebra one, algebra two, whatever you want to put it in, they start from the basic things. So you start with building concepts. If you can build concepts to build one off the other, that is a basic critical thinking skill that you're going to use. So, for example, you get in real life, right? You start building off stuff. You got to know that basic concept. I got to know the basics. And then I put one on top of the other and I go to the next step. I know the next step. That's basically how you're going to get through life. You got to come up with a plan. You come up with a plan and you literally got to critically think your way through it. Am I going to do this or how am I going to do it? How am I going to make adjustments? So you have to figure it out. And you got to really think about it. Another thing I love with critical thinking is I tell my kids, before you make any decision, take a time and look at the consequences. Are there going to be good consequences or bad consequences? Think your way through it. What, what should I do? What's going to be the best move? We are in a time now where most schools try to just go and straight tell people what to do. And that's like one of the things I hate. Like, I'm not just going to give you the answer. I'm not going to tell you this, this, and that. Not just so you can pass and get a high school diploma. I can send you out there with a high school diploma, but if you can't think critically, you're going to fall on your face anyway. And that's a problem. So teach them basically just to think through problems and not always give them the answer. Make comparisons. How And I ask them, all right, this is the lesson. I'm a history teacher. We're looking at something that happened in 1950. Yes, it happened in 1950. It's not so important when it happened. It's what did those people do in response to what happened. So the same thing. If you find yourself in a tough situation, think back. How do they think through their problem? You can use some of those similar concepts to think through your problems. So it's just the main thing. So with my students is basically being able to compare how the things you learned in my classroom are going to, you're going to be able to use in life. Now, of course, we got to talk to it. I got to give them examples to compare it. But when I give them examples, then they start thinking on their own. So I kind of got to model it out for them. But basically, just simple. How can you pair these, compare these simple concepts that I'm teaching in school? How can you use them in real life? 
Okay, excellent. All right, so before we close out, tell everybody again the name of your book and where can they find it? Okay, it is Black America, Transformation of Social, Economic, and Political Black America Since Reconstruction. Uh, you can find it on actually Perfect Time, and I just got the website up, so you can use PayPal. You can get it at CoachBryant22.com. Again, that's CoachBryant22.com. Uh, and also, if you go on my social media, so it can be uh, Coach Bryant on Instagram. It's Coach Bryant on Twitter. And on Facebook, it's Carlin Deuce Bryant. And if you just simply inbox me, I can give me an address. I can ship it to you that way. I have Cash App and Zelle. But the easiest way would probably be getting off the website at CoachBryant22.com. Excellent. And thank you so much for coming on. I meant to say that. Oh, I appreciate the opportunity. All right. So before we close out, don't forget, everybody, you can catch this episode and more at the research departments.com uh, uh, with an S, the research department with S.com. And we are on most streaming platforms. If you want to uh, be a guest collaborator or anything like that, just go straight there. And we can also get this podcast on our app. That's under I am Don Williams. Don't forget, we have uh, Thursdays, uh, 4 p.m. Eastern with the entrepreneurs daily is my two cents at 12 p.m. Eastern. And then Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern is the morning show with the morning crew. So everybody have a wonderful day on purpose. Please stay tuned. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. A clip from episode 161. A research shows podcast. How long ago was that? When did you start the BB show? Two years ago. Oh wow! So you was nine. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. This is. I'm just so inspired. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So, all right. So, tell everybody how is it being a social media influencer? How is that experience for you? It's actually been so amazing because I like to, you know, inspire people, especially at a young age that I am. And I want to inspire like kids that's my age or younger and also like some adults as well so they can inspire their kids. to, you know, I wouldn't say be like me, but be like, like, like positivity, like have positivity and, you know, be positive, not like don't be negative. That is so wonderful. Entrepreneur Thursdays with Research Shows Podcast. Okay, everybody, like I said at the beginning, this is part of the Rewind series. Don't forget, if you would like to listen to more episodes, just head on over to the research departments with an S.com. Click on Research Shows Podcast. If you're interested in being a guest, you can use the exact same link. And we will get back to you at our earliest convenience because, as I said before, we're not filming right now. We're not recording. So, other than that, thank you so much for listening again and have a wonderful day on purpose.